Welcome to the Creative Hustlers Podcast, where we talk about the value of art and business and what you need to be a creative entrepreneur. We're joined by marketing mavens and creative freelancers to talk about it all. As always, I'm joined by my beautiful co-host, the always stylish God amongst men, Alex Powell. I'm happy to be here as always. And uh, let's get this party rolling. So our first guest, Jonathan Rosenberg, let's talk a little bit about this guy, right? So he is an entrepreneur at heart and his journey has led him to discover his natural knack for solving all kinds of problems. He's uh, built widely popular bars such as Alice and Standard and Poor and begun his own agency called White Unicorn, through which they've worked with a variety of high-tier clientele, including Nick and Sam's, as well as Mark Cuban. Though he was born in Cape Town, South Africa, he has spent much of his life moving from place to place, and for the past few years, he's found himself rooted in Dallas. Jonathan, thank you for being here. Why don't you tell us about yourself? What do you do now? What is that like? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, I did move from South Africa to the U.S. uh, in about 93 and um, I always kind of like to stay with my little timeline. I don't know why, but graduated high school in Texas, 2000. I have a twin brother, and we both thought we were professional soccer players. Went to college together playing soccer, thinking I'm going to go to England. Realized I'm not that good when I got to college and (laughs) um, ended ended up graduating at the University of Texas uh, where I got a a job doing, I really, I really like computers, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I got into consulting, designing and building financial systems, did that for shit for about five years. Um, loved it. And then I kind of had this itch to do stuff and, um, and not talk about it. And I quit my job one day, my family was upset, confused, (laughs) but I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to to, I know I liked working. I wanted to find find that thing, but I wasn't sure. I, I traveled the world, came back, invested in a, in a bar and started a beverage company that year. And since about 2010, for the last 10 years, uh, started COA, which is a beverage company, uh, the Standard Pour Bar, High Fives, Alice Dex, Standard Pour, a bunch of different bars. And then also during that time, a creative agency back in 2016. So kind of done a lot in the last 10 years, but I really feel like White Unicorn Agency is my thing, my jam. Uh, I sold out of all the other good stuff, the bars. I love it, but I really wanted to focus on this creative space. It kind of does everything for me and uh, really enjoy growing this team and and seeing where we can go. Well, and I think White Unicorn is a super fun name. So (laughs) I congratulate you on that. It's magic. It is magic. We make magic. Oh, well, that's awesome. Well, thank you for sharing a little bit about that. Um, our other guest that we have today, Tim. Tim, I'm super excited to have you. He's also known as TA Visuals. And let me tell you a little bit about my friend Tim here. Tim is a creative entrepreneur. He does video, photo, and you could probably give him about just anything creative and he could rock it. Tim has been doing this for years and years now and actually fell into the craft on accident. Um, he's worked with a variety of clients, including uh, being showcased as the Nikon Top 100. And so I just want to give this space for Tim to talk a little bit about himself. Tell us about his story, because I know it's quite a crazy one and you kind of just accidentally fell into this career. So why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself, Tim? Man, you did such a good job introducing me. Uh, yeah, so I picked up a camera when I broke my arm skateboarding and I think that was maybe six years ago, and I really just wanted an excuse to get out there and keep skating since I wasn't supposed to skate. Um, (laughs) 
So I hung around with friends and had my skateboard and, you know, I would shoot all their photos. And eventually someone was like, hey, you should shoot my wedding. And I was like, wait, you're going to pay me to do something that I picked up for fun. Like, all right. Continued, you know, just doing it as a side hustle for about a year or so. And eventually I was like, why am I working retail when I can just work with a camera? And I since then have developed my skills to do not just photo, but like you said, video, social media content. I've built kind of like a, I would call it more of a collective than an agency because we don't take projects. Like all of us are freelancers, but we all support each other and back each other. So I have audio techs, graphic designers, cinematographers, um, really just a group of friends that back each other. And like when someone calls the other and is like, hey, I I have this issue, we help them address it, you know, either on set or in pre-production. So yeah, I think that's about it. I shoot photos and hang out with homies. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think it's really cool because, you know, at How To Be Social, we've also taken a different approach. So you have three people here that are all in the creative industry that have built companies and built people that you know, help with these companies. And we've all taken three different approaches. Like Jonathan, you came from finance consulting to building bars to being in the creative space. You broke, what was it, your arm, your leg on a skateboard? And then you were like, huh, I can still hold a camera, (laughs) you know? So I really love that. And I love that there's always an interesting point of view and story that can be brought to the table. So with that being said, you know, I want to talk a little bit about where you guys are at right now. You told us about your stories. Let's bring it back up, roll it up to the present. So how has life been since quarantine? How are you guys feeling? Uh, I'll, I'll jump in. Tim, I also, I broke my arm too, by the way, rollerblading a long time ago, but I didn't do anything for that. I just quit rollerblading. So <laughs> shame on me. <laughs> Uh, I watched a movie. I saw a trick. I try to do it. But anyway, no, quarantine is actually, I've appreciated the fact to slow down. I think I go a hundred miles an hour. So one of the things I'm enjoying right now is I don't have distractions outside of a thousand things going on that I might want to do. And focus has always been a tough thing for me. Um, So I'm generally love the idea that life itself has slowed down. I'm just kind of um, appreciative of that uh, right now. Well, that's awesome. I love that. What about you, Tim? How are you feeling? Yeah, um, I'm actually on the opposite side of that spectrum. So I I like to go a thousand miles an hour. So sitting and being stagnant, like I'm a stress cleaner. So I think my wife is like super stoked on it. Like I've been cleaning the house and organizing everything from the garage <laughs> to every closet. I built her office out and like we, we took a door off and it made it into like one of the closets is now the cat litter room. Like they have their own closet to do that. I'm like, nice. It, I just stay preoccupied. But as far as like work in quarantine goes, I think it's become a lot more of like reaching out to clients via things like Zoom or Skype and finding out, you know, finding new skills, uh, things that I really didn't think I had talents in like product photography and product videos and how to shoot those in a space like that's much smaller than what you normally work in. So yeah, I I think I'm just one of those people who has to stay busy or I go crazy. I also miss the roofs. (laughs) I miss rooftops for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I, I feel that. I miss just in general, the whole networking aspect of life. It's been transferred to a digital space, which I'm cool with. I can work with that. But I definitely miss like going to the bar and like having a drink with your friends or your potential clients. Like there's just some kind of like magic (laughs) when that happens. But um, so my next question is, you know, it looks like 
everybody's kind of stuck at home. No one's really going to the office. Correct me if I'm wrong. So what's morale like at your companies? How is everybody dealing with it? Whether, you know, it's your collective, Tim or Jonathan, whether it's your, you know, office space. I, I love your background because obviously, you know, you're still keeping them close to you. If for the people that can't see Jonathan's background, he is a green screen version of his office and there's people that are in his office walking around in the background. It really tripped me out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just miss it. Um, no, uh, morale, I think, first of all, we're just lucky to be in an industry where we're able to work remotely. Mm. So uh, I think morale is we feel lucky. But overall, I think everyone's just a little anxious and sensitive uh, during this time. I can just tell. Um, so we're lucky to be working. We're able to do that stuff. But I think the day-to-day interaction that we're missing, people are, are okay with it. But I feel like everyone's just a little extra sensitive. And that's just got to do with the lack of being next to someone, uh, all those non-visual cues that we're used to, touching someone, talking to someone. And uh, I, I can pick it up. I think I've read articles like Zoom fatigue and being on phone calls all day. So, uh, But overall, we try and not waste our time with too many Zoom meetings or too many calls. Not to Yeah, uh, calls will definitely exhaust you about as fast as anything else, mentally at least. Right, right. So uh, we're, we're trying to keep spurts up, but... Yeah, integrating a new policy for myself is that one business call a day I'll take on a walk because like, depending on the business call, it can be 15 minutes to an hour. And it's like, I have a really bad tendency to just sit in front of my screen all day because I get mad at myself when I'm not working. (laughs) So, you know, I've been trying to figure out a way to integrate work and staying healthy and getting outside and taking those walks. Yeah. And I, I think it's important not to feel guilty for not doing something. I think we get stuck in this vibe, like I should be doing something else. I find that it's don't get caught up in the feeling guilty part of it all. It's okay to, if you've got an hour and you're not actually doing something, that's okay. Uh, whether you're thinking or writing or doing, but you don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, that's very true. <laughs> I've definitely taken taken some personal time. I've got like a Nintendo Switch back here, which is brand new. And I've been playing Animal Crossing, which is a game where you do literally nothing. You like, <laughs> um, But yeah, as far as team members go, uh, I, dude, I just stay in contact with those guys, make sure they're doing okay. We all talk about, you know, the different loans and things that are out there for us as creatives, things that we can do to help each other. We share information. And, you know, I did right as this quarantine kind of started, I was like, all right, guys, like, I know everyone's hunkering down, like, we can film a podcast and spend this time like editing it. And so we actually sat at this table back here, probably in too close a proximity. But we we hadn't been around a lot of people. And we were all social distancing. So we were like, okay, like, this is our one chance to do this and then try it as a team. Let's, let's put that information out there and share it with the world. And I think that kind of brought morale up with a lot of my my collective members. And other than that, it's just been being really selective on where I go. Um, I have, I filmed one thing since this entire quarantine and it was at a uh, T1 racing. It was actually yesterday and it was, there was more than six to 20 feet between everybody. Like no one, we all like kind of waved at each other and we're like, Hey, what's up? Like you got the audio. All right, I'll get behind the scenes. So it was just keeping space and being aware and, and limiting risk and limiting where you go and what what's worthwhile. You know, what's it, it, everyone has their own limitation. I'm sure each of us has at least seen one or two other people, but I think you have to make those choices for yourself. Like what's what risk is worth the reward, basically. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's good. So you're, everybody seems like they're doing pretty well from a mental standpoint, which is honestly outstanding because not everyone has been. 
Uh, and that's fantastic. That's really good. But how are your employees, contractors, all the people that you work with and have under you, how are they doing from a business standpoint? I think everyone's, I feel like there's just the anxiousness um, going out there. I think there's, everyone kind of will, on calls like this, say we're fine and everything's okay, but everyone's kind of anxious to what's going to happen next or what are we going to do? So I, I can feel that and sense that. Um, but overall, I mean, what's really cool is we are having conversations that become less work and more about each other. How are we feeling? And which is kind of cool. So it's just a different way to approach conversations we don't normally have in the office where we're taking 10 minutes to just talk about the dog the family or each other a little more than only focused on the work? I think it does. And uh, one thing that we've been doing over at HBS is we have a, like a little like emoji chart, if you will, from like the death emoji to like the unicorn emoji. Shout out white unicorn. We, every Monday meeting, we're like, all right, what emoji are you feeling today? And like our middle one is the cowboy or like right above middle is like the cowboy. And so we're all like, we're feeling like cowboys today, you know? And it's just like a great little way to kind of get your team like, smiling and then if you're you know worse than a death emoji if you're a poop emoji like let's talk about it what's going on you know and it's just a good little way to kind of get everybody talking about how they're feeling without just being like so um you've got 10 minutes let's talk about your feelings <laughs> we actually did that we did a branding for a uh, a, a kindergarten a school and uh-huh. part of the branding exercise was to create emojis to talk about your feelings but i nice. love yeah. that <laughs> The kids I love that. Like a bunny. The kindergartners. Yeah, so kind of, but we did it. Uh, we used bunnies, but it was cool. That's awesome. <laughs> how about you, Tim? Uh, yeah, as far as as far as how my my teammates are doing, I mean, we I find that we've used this time to like really build our personal relationships more. So we're talking more about again, like what's available, what kind of help and assistance have we've gotten. How can we, you know, help each other? Um, And even just day-to-day things, kind of similar to Jonathan, like, how are you doing today? Like, anything pestering you? I mean, I don't know if you guys live with roommates or spouses, but after, you know, 30-plus days in a house with someone, you can you might need someone else to vent to. So, <laughs> so I definitely think it's been like a saving grace for all of us to have each other to kind of lean on. And I think it makes you look at people a little differently. Like this is not just someone who helps provide income for my company or is, you know, a contract worker for me. This is someone who actually means something to me and helps me better myself as a human. So just staying in, in contact with those guys um, and checking up on them. But yeah, I think everyone right now is kind of struggling with the way the uh, all of these loans and unemployment, all the, the way they've kind of filed out, I don't feel like anyone's gotten the best help. <laughs> I called today and literally I called the number and they were like, oh, sorry, the tier two service you need to talk to, the number's been disconnected. They're not taking calls right now. I was like, well, the online thing isn't working either. So who do I talk to? They're like, no one. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Good to Just know. nobody. Yeah. Nobody's there. Yeah, That's that's super cool though. I'm really happy that you've both found ways to, or you found that this quarantine has actually brought your team closer together, that you've become a more personable business. And I think that's unique because definitely not everybody I've heard has had the same experience. I feel like a lot of people are starting to kind of emotionally just distance and just, uh, kind of separate from the, everything feels like it's not real and the world could crumble at any second, right? So it's really easy to detach yourself from the things that you 
that were important before all this. That's really cool that you haven't had to deal with that. But what has it been like for, for you two as individuals leading a business? Like, do you feel like it's hard to manage from home or have you had any troubles with that? Yeah, I think for, for, for us, we've had a pretty smooth transition to it all. Again, our whole team is, is fairly tech savvy. The idea of doing a Zoom or a text, it has been something to get used to doing Zoom calls like this. I'm probably so used to it now, uh, but I'm such a social person when we're together. I like the idea of an office and a team and the people around because I feel like we feed off each other's energy and there's a lot of that buzz going around. I mean, I used to work when I try to do my own stuff in coffee shops or by myself at home and I never got that far. So I like the energy of the office, but uh, I mean, through technology, we're just over communicating. So more FaceTimes, more Google Hangouts, more Zooms, more whatever. It's fairly smooth. Yeah. Everyone's tech savvy. I don't know. Outside of like my dad's generation, he's like, I don't know what we're doing, where to click. It's been a fairly easy. Just send a calendar invite with a link. Yeah. And kind of, we're very lucky. So. Mm-hmm. so. That's about- awesome. So you've had it over, overall, you've had a pretty smooth transition into this. You haven't had, doesn't seem like any, any difficulties having to manage from home, being away from everybody. Aside no, I mean, from the I, interpersonal relationships from a from a, a managing standpoint. Yeah, I think the ups and downs and the worrying about the team and then worrying about the economy and projects and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. But for, for the day-to-day work, just being grateful that we can all go home and actually do this stuff in an environment where I'm talking to lots we of go, other owners. There is no go home. We're already home. Yeah. <laughs> where, where there's other people in other industries and there's lots of businesses that no matter how good they are, what they put into it, they've come to a standstill. And it's really, it, it like hurts to hear these stories, but I, that's what I, those are the owners and those are the people I'm talking to on a daily basis. Um, some of them are even clients. Some of them are friends hearing all those stories all the time about people pouring their heart and soul into what they're doing. And they, they're on the sidelines. They don't have a paycheck. They don't know what's happening next. Again, I just take the seat of like feeling super grateful that we're healthy and we can do what we do and we do what we love, which is, is lucky. It's not easy. It's not convenient, but yeah. Well, and so. I think a lot of people have taken this opportunity to pivot in a way. I mean, obviously you've talked how, you know, you really don't have a lot of photography and videography going on right now, but I'm sure yeah. that I know that we've pushed like product imagery, like you ship it, we shoot it. Like that's the type of stuff we've been talking about. We've been really pushing like, you know, our graphic designers for websites and different things like that. So and it's been interesting. We actually still booked a new client even while all this stuff was going on. So for me, that tells me that there, this is my personal theory. You don't have to agree with it, but there's going to be winners and there's going to be losers. The people that choose to stand still versus like trying to find a way to make it work, to pivot, to do something. I truly think that there are going to be people that walk out of this stronger and better and more educated, and they're going to find new ways. Um, right. I, you've got it's to- that hunger. It's that hunger for survival. Yeah. Like how hungry are you? How hungry are you? And that doesn't mean going back to what Jonathan said earlier, that you have to be constantly doing something. It doesn't mean you have to nonstop try and prosper and make sure that you're doing better than everybody else all the time. It just means, are you hungry enough to strive to thrive? I love that. That goes on a (laughs) t-shirt. Nailed it. How are you working with your teams managing at home? Um, I mean, I, I work from home. This is my home office. So my wife also works with me full time. So she's kind of cracking the whip anytime I get lazy, but don't get me wrong. Yeah, no, it's just a mess of like whatever I've collected (laughs) over the years, lots of camera bags and stuff in the back. But going back to that, I mean, it's been tough as a mainly a photographer and videographer, someone who works on site on location 90% of the time. It was an interesting transition, but instead of sitting back and kind of 
waiting to see what the world did. I just did things for myself. I, I sent Jules a photo a minute ago and showed her like I figured out how to make my Sony camera a web camera. And then I started live streaming to YouTube and I hooked up, uh, like I'm not the best at audio. I normally bring an audio tech with me, but I got a Zoom recorder, hooked up a condenser mic, and now I have professional audio while I play video games or while I, you know, live stream to YouTube editing stuff. So you can get um, into voice acting if you really wanted to. Dude, I keep hearing that and I'm like, I have the worst voice. So every time I hear <laughs> myself talk, I'm like, oh, this is disgusting. But <laughs> some guy on Call of Duty last night was like, hey, man, you sound like Morgan Freeman. I was like, I think you're mistaken. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not hearing what I'm hearing. This is a professional mic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. Well, I love that y'all are really, you know, stretching and moving your creative bones and like trying to find new ways to make it work. I think that that's the best thing that we can do, not only for you know, our businesses, but ourselves mentally, keep us busy, keep us working, doing something. Like I said, I think that, you know, the creative aspect is really good. But how do you feel like you're inspiring creativity inside of your work when, you know, you can't be next to them? Because I know what you're talking about, Jonathan, about being next to somebody and like just having the synapses firing. And it's like, oh, you're moving in the right direction. There's just something about being next to your teammates that really makes you want to like, find the prize or get the goal, whatever it may be. So how do you feel like you're inspiring creativity right now while you're not next to them? I like to think that uh, we've got a good enough team that on their own, the hardest thing that we have when we get a project is time and focus. So obviously being around that energy is all great, but it comes with being distracted. So I think two things that we're giving them are time to execute, think, be creative um, and focus. We've heard the good and bad stories when they're at home. There's a lot of people on our team thriving when they're focused on something without the distractions of the team. So with all that energy comes distractions. And I feel like there's a, half of the office is loving the fact that they're at home and they're asking for, are we going to return to like Fridays off? And can we get more time at home? The other half is like, I can't do much. I really want to get around my team again. So I, th I think it comes with its advantages and disadvantages, but I'm not doing anything special besides relying on my team to use time wisely. And I think time's very, very helpful for, for creatives when they get to think and create and play and all that stuff. Well, and I think it's really important to recognize that you had already kind of set up an atmosphere where they could be digital. It sounds like you were doing Fridays where you didn't have to come to the office. So you had like, he's like, mm. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit not, but like you but, yeah. allowed that flexibility. So when we did have to transition to this totally digital world, it wasn't as hard for them. For us at HDS, we had processes already in place that were completely digital. So it didn't, and we're basically a digital company is how we sell ourselves. But for us, it was just an easier transition. And I think that that's really important to know if you're listening to this podcast and you're a business owner or you're in charge of other creatives, you know, you need to always have that business continuity plan of like, okay, what if, you know, someone is sick or someone can't be in the office today or they're a contractor halfway around the world. Um, it's good to have those processes in place. So when things like this do happen, you have another way of getting the job done. Yeah. And outside of just the technology advantages and all that, I think just trust. Oh, yeah. Trusting everybody. And I don't have to sit, just like I do in the office. I'm not going, I wonder what Leroy's working on or what Devin is or what Taylor is. I trust them, whether they're at home or in the office. So uh, I think it's massive um, benefit that I have outside of someone not proven to us that they do the work in the time. But trust has been so massive in a place like this. When you're not seeing or talking to them 
all the time. Now I you haven't had to worry about a balance between trust ever and and making sure that somebody's actually working. Have, have you have you experienced any of that? turning negative on you? Because I know a lot of businesses, that's their worry is that they start to trust and then, you know, something screws up and it's on their head and uh, that trust is lost and then they don't want to do it ever again, you know? Yeah, I think there's a fine balance. I'm very open to trusting someone in the beginning. And um, that comes with maybe being aligned on the same expectations because maybe both of you have to be what what you want as well as what they're thinking they're going to do. But yeah, I have been burned in that scenario. But it's still something we work at and try every day. So we instill it and we have deadlines. We do check on things. I've got a great team of other leaders that manage within a team. So it's not just Jonathan here or my business partner, Brooks, doing everything. Our creative director is checking in on his team. Our digital director is, our account management is. So we've got a, people in each pocket kind of checking on everyone to make sure, but it still comes with a level of trust. But um, we live in a world where we have deadlines. We're not just creating for fun sometimes. We're not creating in our backyard for ourselves. They're for mm-hmm. clients. And one of the biggest things I have is I'll treat my team and give them the world, but um, I'll do the same for, for a client. Yeah. And I think that's super important too. Um, just curious, you know, for your clients, do you feel like your clients have struggled to go digital in that regard? We've talked a lot of internally, but you know, some of these people are brick and mortar. I know you have some brick and mortar clients. Oh yeah. I mean, the hospitality space is, is just completely, we've got firework. We've got a massive fireworks company that does the huge events for concerts and sporting events completely shut down to tons of different other hospitality, hotel space or restaurants and bars. But yeah, I mean, there is a lot of people that are just like, we'll put, uh, we'll put this on hold until later. So a lot of the new business ironically is on hold yet because we haven't built a relationship with them. Ironically, all the clients we kind of service, they've been smooth because again, it goes in that trusting relationship. They know what they're getting. It's been much easier to navigate this space um, purely based on an older relationship. They've worked with us before. It's easier and smoother. But yeah, all the newer, newish work that normally comes, that's completely changed the game. And a lot of people are very cautious, scared, worried, whether it's the economy or just this new way of getting to know each other. Some, sometimes they're not as comfortable to get behind a screen like this. They want to meet in person or meet at their office. Yeah, I think it's going to take the whole world of like referral business <laughs> up another level. So yeah, that's really interesting. What about you, Tim? Yeah, so for, for me, inspiring the team, I mean, I've, I constantly am always trying to better myself and my art is what I consider our photo and video. So I've been sending out tutorials like uh, frequency separation and skin retouching and things like that, that I think will kind of step up what we're already doing to that next level of like commercial grade photography and, you know, maybe even some uh, editorial style photography too. And, And other than that, I've just been reaching out to existing clients and seeing like, hey, I have all this media is there anything you wanted me to chop up? You know, I could make you this X, Y, Z and give them offers. Um, some of the newer clients I've, I've had some struggles with as far as they just want to put the project on hold or they're struggling as much as everyone else is struggling. So you just try to be a little more lax with them and, and lax with your team on, on what's going on and just making sure you're offering not only insight, but information that allows them to educate themselves and get them further creativity, like through their creativity. Again, I think that's going to come through tutorials and drive and, and kind of like what you said, not, you know, some people will win and some people will lose. And it's a matter of, are you willing to push yourself through a really tough time where you're not sure what's going to happen? Or 
do you just want to kind of quit and let your business do what it's going to do? So I focus on the positivity. I focus on the people who are continuing to push. I mean, again, why I'm here on this podcast with you guys is y'all are here pushing through tough times and keeping people educated. You know, some of the information I got about this pandemic and uh, about the resources available actually came from Jules, you know, just on, uh, I always forget Slack. Is that what that's called? Yeah, Slack. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just hop on there and you're like, oh, have you guys checked this out? And I'm like, I have not like time to click on this and <laughs> yeah. some more. So again, I think, you know, it's the little things that matter. It's, it's motivating and pushing your team to maybe not focus so much on the pandemic, but how they can walk out of this thing as a better creative and a better person. So relationship building and yeah, just growing yourself as a creative. That's that's where we've been. Most definitely. And I think that you touched on something really, really valuable there. Um, it's not just this moment that we should be worried about when it comes to like PR crises and things like that. There are always going to be moments where a client, you know, thinks they're going to have money come through and they're like setting up this project with you or the money doesn't come through. And so they put the project on hold. I really want to talk, you know, about those, the moments that you're having right now. What are you communicating to those clients? What are you telling them? And what are you saying, you know, to either A, ease their fears or B, you know, the current clients, what are you telling them to tell their consumers? Um, Yeah, yeah. As far as, as far as me, you know, I'm, I'm letting them know, I'm trying to be a little more lenient, you know, like all of our work we get, I get contracts for deadlines, proposals, uh, deposits. And I, I basically just let them know, like, I know, especially it depends, it is dependent on the business. So if it's a smaller client who, you know, maybe they don't have the biggest budget for marketing, but we book this and then this crisis happened. I said, look, I understand like times are tough. Like once everything opens back up and you guys get back on your feet and you want to wrap this project, like I have it cut up and ready for you. Um, I don't think now is the time to really be pushy and try to tell people like, Hey, you have to pay me or we're going to have to seek, you know, the other, the ulterior routes, you know, honestly, for me, it's really just focusing on, on getting new, like new referrals, new clients and, and looking at, you know, where can I go after this instead of like trying to motivate these companies that are already struggling and already stressed to figure out, you know, how they're going to compensate me and my team. Like most of the time, when I go onto a set, I take a deposit up front um, and I pay my members. Anyone who comes to set gets paid off of that. So the only person who's not eating or is struggling at the end of the day would be me. And, you know, I, I try not to put myself in situations where this is the only thing that I can survive off of. I never, you know, I always evaluate like, how much work is this? What's the, you know, what do I get to take home? And, is this the only project I'm going to work on this month? If it is, well, then I need to get my money up front so that I'm not stuck in a situation yeah. um, kind of where, where I'm dependent on a client to, to pay my bills. That's so funny too, because you see all the time um, in media and entrepreneurial, you know, courses and things like that. They're like, pay yourself first, pay yourself first. I don't think I've ever met one that, entrepreneur or, you know, business owner that was like, yeah, I didn't take care of my team. I made sure that I was taken care of first. And maybe I'm just hanging around really nice people. (laughs) But like, I don't hear a lot of the time, like, 
oh yeah, I make sure I get paid my five grand every month and then they get paid, you know, if the payment comes through. So I love that, you know, and not saying that it's not important to make sure you get paid. It's definitely important. But I think while you're building something, while you're creating something, literally creating something out of nothing, you have to understand there's something that has to be invested back first. And then that will carry your name and your brand long-term. So Definitely. And, and I, I kind of agree with both of your, your points there. I think for Tim's side, on our clients, we're doing everything we can to our clients that are having a difficult time right now. Um, they want some of the work, but there's uncertainty and they can't afford the stuff. We do projects six, nine, 10 months sometimes. So there's payments are broken up. We're working with all of them. Um, some of them we're working for free. Some we're doing payment plans. Some we're, we're saying, come back to us when things are right. So we're doing that for a, a, a lot of clients and they're super grateful for it. And um, we want to be around. So we want them to be around for the next 50 years. We're not too concerned with it. Yeah, we, everyone needs the money for that stuff, but we're not concerned. We're now, to Tim's point, now's not the time to kind of force that. They wouldn't pick up the phone to make the calls to say, hey, can, can we get help here um, if it wasn't um, important? Right. And then the other one you mentioned about the team, it's one of the first things we did was over communicate to the team that like, my sole responsibility in the next few months is making sure I can cover their salaries, their payroll, and they get to worry about the work. Enjoy the work, focus on that. Let me worry about the economy, the problems out there, but you guys don't. Um, and, and it's tough. And there's a trust there because of, I keep hearing the word furlough and I keep hearing the word like pay reduction and, and we don't have work, but we've tried to communicate, over communicate what's going on. And I haven't done a lot of this in the past where we over communicate the sales or the business development side. The guys just work on project and the girls work on things, but we've over communicated that stuff because I think it's important for them to know work is coming in and that they're safe because we want them to feel that way. Well, and I think that's the most important thing you can do for your creatives and for the people that are on your team because they need a sense of security or they're going to be overly anxious or they're going to be worrying about something that they shouldn't be worrying about. I mean, I truly believe that it's, you know, our job as business owners is we've made a commitment to the people that work for us or work with us that we're going to take care of them. And, you know, when, shit hits the fan, are we actually going to be people of our word? Or are we going to bail? And are we going to use words like furlough and lay off? You know, that was my number one thing was I'm going to apply for all the resources and grants and different loans and things that, well, not necessarily loans. Nobody wants to really want to take out the loans, but, you know, apply for all the things that you possibly can so that, you know, I'm ahead of the game. Right now I have more than enough money and runway to take care of my team. But what happens, you know, in the coming months if this thing doesn't end? So it's just our responsibility to also be thinking about like that success department and understanding the business development, you know, might need to be taken care of. And I love that you said, you know, you communicate. That's one of our values. It's like always to be communicative with the team. Um, but yeah, I love that. I think that's really good. What, <laughs> I love these filler words that I give every once in a while. Anyways, <laughs> so uh, how often do you think managers should be checking in our teams? John you, or Jonathan, you've mentioned a couple of times that you're like, I think we have too many meetings. I don't want meetings anymore. <laughs> I'm just not a big fan. I came from the consulting world and I saw a lot of different industries and um, I, I never liked environments where people were back-to-back -back meetings and, and I was wondering who did the work and a lot of the work I've done at night. Uh, it didn't make sense to me. It just wasn't efficient. So I've always hated meetings for meeting's sake, but in this case, we do our little leadership meeting um, Monday mornings to the, the team. And then online, we have an online tool that, that everyone can see. It's a fully available from Dropbox to Google to uh, I think we use Monday now. All the tools are super available. So everyone can see everything at all times. So we don't hide anything. Yeah. And we use the calendar that way. 
But our, our managers, um, our leaders in each department, they're checking in with their teams on a daily basis. And we have a nice end of the week kind of like check in with everyone just because there's yeah. not a lot to say. There's not a lot to check in, but just to jump on a thing, see everyone smile a little bit, talk shit for about 10, 15 minutes. Been my approach is beginning of the week, end of the week. And yeah, pick up the phone a little more than usual just to see how they're doing. Hardly talk about the work. Really want to check in on them. So Yeah, we've been utilizing um, a couple of different things. Obviously, we still have our like team meetings, those success meetings, whatever you want to call them. This last week, actually, I implemented something because I felt like as if our team was getting a little bit more siloed, a little bit more distant. And so I was like, hey, for today's Monday meeting, we're actually going to stay on for like, you know, we're just going to have it up for two, three hours. You don't have to like check in or say anything, but I think it offers the ability to have that open communication. And after we did it, I was kind of worried about it because I was like, man, they're going to think I'm having a meeting for two to three hours, which is not like the whole purpose of this. Like, I don't want to be checking in on them or anything. Um, But I just wanted the community there because our team is such a fun, entertaining team that when we kind of get around, we have the ability to like banter, it always just uplifts our spirits. And I think, you know, Alex can speak to this. He was part of it. I think it went pretty well. I think it went super well. And I think the fact that it was just us working concurrently together uh, and not like a four hour meeting, obviously made a huge difference. Uh, I agree with Jonathan. I think meetings when you have too many of them or you just don't plan them smart enough don't realize all the ideas that you can condense into one meeting. They can be a huge suck on company time uh, and therefore company resources, your man hours, you know, having a a balance of communication and community with people need their time to actually just like do their damn work, you know, is, is, uh, is really important. It's important to have a balance. If you have too much or too little of any of it, something's going to wind up getting dropped. Mm -hmm. Well, and I love the thought that you've both put into it. And I think it's really interesting to have different ways that we communicate. We also have an async check-in. We use our Slack channel every single day to say, hey, this is what I'm working on today. This is, you know, my blockers. And if you're not working today, tell us what you are working on. Like, we want to hear about your personal projects because, you know, some of my team is part-time, some of my time. Some of my team is full-time. So while I expect some people to do stuff every day, doing an async check-in for everyone every single day doesn't make sense. Because like, I'm I'm not dumb. I know you're not working on this every single day if you're part-time. <laughs> so just let me know when you are and then tell me, you know, what your favorite color is on your off days. <laughs> yeah. Mine's navy. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's a, that's, that was the favorite color I ever painted my room in high school. Oh, love, love it. Love it. Yeah, fun fact. <laughs> what a love thought. <laughs> Tim, what about you? How are you doing with managing and getting everybody where they should be checking in? No, I mean, I definitely have done like group chats. We've had a group chat existing before this, but we just drop each other a little more information. Like we haven't been able to work on a lot of projects together. I mean, we can't even really be around each other much. So what we do is we just share what we have been doing, whether it be those new techniques that we're trying out or, you know, something we found online that really sparked interest in us. A a lot of my team is really interested in like rendering and learning like Blender and Cinema 4D. So we just send each other like Carlos sent me the other day, he made a donut. And I was just like, wait, what? You made this 3D donut? Like I'm... (laughs) Like I'm slacking, I need to catch up and he'll send me the video on how to do it. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like open up Blender, make a donut for three hours and be like, cool. Maybe one day I can make a car model and and put it into this 3D space. Um, but yeah, it's just communicating, talking, being open. We we share any kind of information that we can get our hands on and, and just touching base, just checking up on those guys. But other than that, I mean, it's just been the, it, it seems like 
nothing's really changed other than I can't go see them. You know what I mean? They can't come like they literally my two of my team members have a desk in this office, like just show up. And if even if I'm not here, like just yeah. call and she'll let you in and you can come and do your work. Like it doesn't matter if this is the space you want to work in. So it's, it's been a little different not having like the homies or the team, the collective around. So yeah. but we're all here for each other. That's cool. I'm really happy that you guys have both uh, such a community in your business. It seems like, you know, it's more than just coworkers. I can really appreciate that. But at the end of the day, you are still working together and these are creatives, which can comes with a lot of ups and a couple downs. You know, depending on the person. So what is uh, being in the industry that you're in? What's the process for working with those people? Obviously, you probably have at least a little bit of creativity yourself. Otherwise, you wouldn't have started the business. But what is your methodology for for working with uh, other creatives? You might have differing standpoints, differing opinions on how things get done. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Uh, I've always tried to hire people that are smarter, talented, and better than me for for a lot of reasons. Uh, I try and keep it simple. I try and find great or fun, inspirational or cool projects to work on. I think that helps. Yeah, there's a lot of times that we get some some work we we might not like or it's not the best stuff to work on. But overall, we like most of the projects, if not all, we really like to do that. Uh, and that's that's huge. Uh, so there's excitement around that. I, I personally like to give them the, a good software, good computer, good technology, and then other smart people next to them to kind of to lean on and then get out of the fucking way. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep it simple. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for me, it's it's very similar. Um I've actually only been doing video for close to two years now. And the only reason I've progressed is because I surrounded myself with people that were better than me at video. Um, And through that, you know, I was able to learn and figure out what my style of content creation looked like as video. And I can tell you right now, like I am not the best video editor. Like I can chop up a timeline, but when it comes to the crazy motion graphics or VFX, like that's not my specialty. So instead, I find people who are good at that and I utilize their skills and I let them, I kind of give them like a, hey, this is what I my idea is. I just want to see what you do with it. Like, I, I want to see what your take is. And if there's something that, you know, maybe isn't my taste or isn't my style, I'll approach him on it and I'll say, you know, like, maybe I don't like this whip transition. Could we try, you know, something like this and see what else they can come up with. But I've never run into an issue where it's like, no, dude, like you're, you're doing this wrong. Like, I don't like this at all. Like, I think all creatives, like you can look at their body of work and see what skills they have that you're interested in. Right. So um, it's a matter of putting the right people in the right place and letting them do what they're best at. Don't put someone in a, yeah, don't put them in a box where it's not their norm. If, If you ask me to, record your audio and do it on set. Like, yeah, I could do it, but I've also got a guy who's done this for 12 years who rigged concert stages at Toyota Music Factory. Like, why would you want me to do that when this dude (laughs) costs less than me probably and is three times more talented at this, you know? So it's just a matter of like taking care of your team and making sure you give them the tools for success. Like you said, getting them the right components to get the job done, but letting them do their thing too. And just trusting them really, you have to trust your team. Otherwise, are you really a team or just people who sit in an office and work together? Right. No, I love that. I think that's super good. And I think it's super important regardless of industry, whether it's creative, financial, culinary, whatever, to surround yourself with people that are better than you. That's the only way to get better because the osmosis of energy that you can get out of putting yourself in that situation is outstanding. But 
if you are surrounded by people that are already better than you, how do you, how do you get them even better than that? You know, you've provided yourself this environment where you are raising your, your echelon of skill uh, by being surrounded by uh, people that are better, but how do you get them to continue to grow as well so that you're both growing? Easy. Put them in situations they're uncomfortable with. Fair. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth. Like if someone is really good at shooting cars, you know, I have a, a friend, Brent, who we shot just the other day, the T1 racing, love shooting cars. Um, but then I'll hit him up and be like, hey, we're going to go to South Dakota and record for three days. We're going to cover Sturges for this company. He's like, okay, well, you know, like, should I bring this or this? Like, what's, who's our audio? Like, what do we do? I go, hey, man, like, you are literally, you know, not just the DP. Like, you are the director on this set. Like, I am here to be the producer, and I will get you all the tools you need. Tell me what you need, and I'll make it happen. But you kind of put people in areas where they're uncomfortable, and then you go and show up and support them. So, like, those three days we were in South Dakota, like whatever Brent needed, like I was there, like whether I was shooting stills or shooting B cam or just making sure people are in the right place for him. Like that was my role. My role was not to be the DP and the director. My role was to be the producer of that and make sure that everything fell into place and be the checks and balances. So is, is that my normal role? Like, no, I'm normally behind a camera, but Brent is a better cinematographer than me. So I hired him to do that job with me and I gave him the tools. And even though I made him climb up a hill that was like, you know, a uh, hundred feet at a 45 degree angle carrying a C300 and a Moby rig, you know, I think he, he still appreciated and had fun. He might've complained a little bit, but you know, 14 hour days, it's worth it. He got stronger because of it. <laughs> yeah. Literally, metaphorically Definitely. and physically. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what about yeah. you, Jonathan? Yeah, uh, for, for, from my standpoint, I look for that in, in the hiring, uh, two things. Ego, uh, I try and see that someone doesn't have too much of an ego in that scenario because I feel like that can get in the way. I mean, I've checked myself a lot. It's one of the hardest things when I'm not doing a lot of the work. Get out of the way and it's really hard. I'm a doer. I want to be involved in a lot of stuff. And in my role, the best thing I could do sometimes is nothing. And then I also just look for people that, that want to improve. There's some people who don't. They have no ambition. They don't want to. And I, I'm looking for those things um, in, in teammates. And then third is just we're constantly always talking about and sharing other things out there that, that we like or inspire us or that we think are cool. Uh, I was able to take the team to Portland, uh, which super grateful for. And I've been getting days we couldn't do that. We couldn't afford to do any of that. We took them for three or four days. It was a design conference. I didn't go because I was like, oh, this is like fun. The team deserves it. A, the team deserves it. But they're around hundreds of other people like themselves in a room. And they're not the only four people in the world doing this. And they get to be inspired to look on stage to go, look what they did for Nike. Look what they did for uh, the government. Look what they did on this campaign. Look what they did in that work. And they're sitting around and looking at people. And um, I think also just my job in that role is trying to inspire this group of people to constantly improve. I have a high bar at the end of the day. Um, I try and be laid back about it, but I do. And I think it translates down to the team combination of looking for those people on my side and also trying to find things that we could share or we think are cool, constantly pushing ourselves that we're, we're not in this bubble of the only people we think are great at what we do. I don't think anyone in the, in our team thinks that way. Well, and it's so great too, because I, you know, building a company, I'm building my company in a very opposite way. I feel like uh, I, I've i looked for a lot of the same things, but what I look for, especially because I don't have a lot of capital to start my business. I'm coming from a place where I've started my business from like scratch. And so like hiring experts right now really is just not in my, 
payroll, but I know myself and I'm an expert. And so I know that I love teaching and mentoring. So I'm like, great, I'll just figure out a way to like make this work. And so, you know, I've brought people that have that creative hustler mindset onto my team. And that's the first thing I look for. I don't care if you're the best photographer in the world, or I don't care if you think that you can do X, Y, and Z. If your attitude isn't great, and if you don't have the desire to be a hustler, to always be getting better, to want to grow, then it's probably, we're just probably not aligned because that's what I expect out of my team. Alex came from an engineering background and I was like, I think you'd be a great project manager. I think you would work well with clients. And I think that you have the basic foundation and personality type to make it happen. That's what Alex's role has grown into. And he's fantastic at it. And it's one of those things where I'm like, great, I don't have to do that. (laughs) You know? And like, it hasn't been like an overnight thing. Like me and him have worked side by side during like the first five to six months of him being even on the team and just really like hammered out any potential risk, any situation, you know, made sure to communicate. And I think it's important that you can know that there are two, there are a million ways to build a company. And it's just important to know what resources do you have and how can you build something out of nothing or how can you build something with the resources that you have readily available? Absolutely. So we've talked a lot about where you've come from and we've talked a lot about what it's like for both of you right now. Um, But what do you think work will look like for creatives in the world moving forward with the possibility of working from home becoming more normal with the possibility of this quarantine staging out over the course of several months. Um, People don't know worldwide what the long lasting impacts of this are going to look like. So what do you think? I might take a different response, a different route to this answer. But for me, my biggest challenge with creatives in general is good communication I feel like some of them are amazing at what they do, being able to articulate that, explain that, share it, talk about it. So for me, I'm actually looking forward to this environment where our team has is forced to communicate in, in, in more effective ways. It's hard. Um, being next to them in the office or sitting in a meeting where one of us can talk to the other person is easier. So for me, I'm not worried about their work or their role when it comes to that. It's the uncomfortableness of being able to communicate, which for me, it would be the most beneficial thing to see these the team grow. So um, you're just forced to naturally in this environment. Staying quiet is, is not the easiest thing to get in this world. So yeah, as far as moving forward into, you know, like working from home, I, I definitely think, I mean, we did get some news recently that they're going to be opening things up and trickling trickling people back. Um, I think this is going to be a similar effect. We're going to kind of see that bell curve go back up and it, if they allow this to happen. And I feel like I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent, but I, I think everyone kind of has to choose what they think is safe for them and what's smart. I think the people who will be successful will find ways to work from home and benefit not only themselves, but their team, like in similar ways that we have, um, and offering different services, uh, offering new ways to connect to communities. I think if anyone's benefited out of this whole thing, besides toilet paper companies, it's been streaming services like Twitch and YouTube and Facebook Live, things like that. You've seen a lot more. I mean, I can log on to Instagram at any point in time now and I see six or seven people live at any given moment, just on there chatting about you know anything or nothing at all. But uh, it's it's a way of new engagement. It's a way of a social kind of like a shift uh, that people will no longer 
just expect like, oh, you need to be in the office 24-7. There's, there's other ways to connect. And I think we're kind of pushing ourselves to a new form of that. Um, I actually worked on a, or am working on a personal project with a friend, Taylor of mine called Port 80, where we kind of talked about like the technological takeover and how we think that, you know, society is going to have to pick. You're going to have these older people or these people who don't want to adapt and accept what technology, you know, is going to be in the next 20 years. And you're going to have these, the other people who just embody it and kind of like allow technology to grow with them. It Ultimately, it's going to be a decision for, for us. Like, what do you want your future to look like? Do you want to live in the woods in a cabin? Or do you want to have this ridiculous CAD where you look at someone and you can actually see their Facebook profile and what their likes are? Because I think that's what we're moving towards. I know that's that's kind of like out there, but Black Mirror. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, Black sorry, Mirror. I'm I'm a creative. I'm sorry. No, like, no, no, that's where my mind goes. But yeah, I think that it's just a matter of like us in general adapting and evolving. And I think the quarantine has kind of shown us like look, there will always be things that are out of our control. Like you can either adapt and find ways to work with it or you can suffer the consequences. Absolutely. And I think personally, one of the most uh, interesting effects, uh, long lasting effects of this quarantine is that it's almost been like a forced restart on a worldwide society. Everyone that did not want to be digital, that didn't want to, didn't see the benefit of that, or uh, were just hardlined against it because they like things a little bit old fashioned. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that if that's your approach, but this is what that looks like now. Yeah. And yeah. it's forced everyone to catch up. And so, yeah, you're seeing six people on IG Live, and I bet half of them are probably self promoting. You know, uh, I think it's really interesting. Everyone has had to catch up to kind of like the same wave. And it's almost like we're all coming out of this, not from necessarily an economic standpoint. There's been a lot of people that have unemployed, but just from, uh, you know, a status standpoint on where we all stand on a digital world, we've all kind of leveled out. It's definitely leveled up in so many ways. And I want to recognize that I think y'all are all doing an amazing job of trying to keep up with it and trying to stay on top of it what you're doing for your creatives, whether it's the collective or people that are working internally. I think that everybody is adapting and I think everybody is trying to find their own way of coping with the whole situation going on. But it's important to know that on a day-to-day basis, our lives have not changed. We still operate the same way. We still are the same people. And it's important to remember that we're still people. Um, so with that being said, I'd love to do a little bit of review. You know, we've talked about trusting the people that we work with. We've talked about those deadlines. We've talked about how not just now we always have to know how to talk to our clients, no matter what situation, you know, has come up, whether it's, you know, a worldwide pandemic or maybe their client just didn't pay out. And we've also talked about putting our creatives in uncomfortable scenarios so they can grow. So out of all of this, what would be y'all's top three tips for bringing out the best work in creatives? Tim? Uh, for me, it's it's always going to be pushing them outside of their comfort zone. Other than that, I, I think it's, you know, offering them opportunities, getting them in front of things they never thought they could achieve or thought they could do before. And lastly, I mean, as far as tips for just the quarantine, I would say stay active, continue reaching out to these companies. Like it's just because everything you feel like it's at a standstill doesn't mean that you can't push yourself further. So you know, one of the things that I always do, and before I even hopped on this with Jonathan and, and you guys, I, I went and looked at his page and I was like, okay, like this is what White Unicorn is. Like this is what they do. Like I feel like I could make a connection here just by getting on a podcast and, and 
kind of feeling it out and talking to this person. Like this is an opportunity for me to meet someone who's going to help my creative platform grow, you know, in the future. So look at everything as an opportunity. Look at everything as just be willing to push yourself past what you thought you could achieve, right? If I, I don't know, I'm sure Jules, you're familiar with some of the stuff I do in Dallas um, as far as like getting up onto... (laughs) <laughs> allegedly getting up onto buildings and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we admit no guilt here. There is no That's right. Allegedly. Right. Photoshop, drones, stuff yeah. like that, you know, or Blender, 3D CADs. I, I think if you limit yourself, you'll never really reach like that top of like what you could be or what you could achieve. So just know like, you know, this, maybe everything looks kind of bleak right now and you're, you're scared and you don't know what you're going to do. But if you do nothing, you probably will achieve nothing. So <laughs> do more. Yes, love that. That reminded me of a basketball analogy. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. There we go. <laughs> what about you, Jonathan? How are you feeling about all this? What are your top tips? I think they're the same if, in the environment we're in, but um, it would be give, give my team some guidelines or inspirational background on the task or project. I think that's super massive and, and vital. So we, we're all aligned with like what we're working on and why we're working on it. Give them time to think, play, to create. Time is just something no one talks about it today. Everyone's calling me all day long. They just want this thing tomorrow. They want it today. I don't fight for the dollars and cents like you would think we do. Granted, we do, but 90% of my conversations are around time. Yep. I just, I value it massively, especially in a creative company like ourselves. And then uh, I hate to say it, but what creatives are bad at, they need a timeline. So a deadline. I, I'm, I, You've got to give them a deadline. If you don't, you're just never, you're never going to be done with it ever. You're never going to be okay with it. So uh, those are kind of the three things I stick by. Um, I'll do them before in today's environment. I'll do them after. Those are my little three. No, I love it. I think that that's fantastic. And I think that both of these tips are going to be really, really impactful to everybody that listens to this podcast. It's been an absolute joy hearing all the wisdom that y'all have. Uh, Yes, it has. (laughs) Yes, it has. Tim, Jonathan, thank you so much. Tell the people where they can find you. You can find me at um, uh, White Unicorn Agency. Anything related to White Unicorn, Instagram, online, anything White Unicorn Agency, you'll find me. Gotcha. Look look it up anywhere but Google Images and you'll find them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, you can find me. It's uh, at TA underscore visuals. Uh, website is tavisuals.co. Uh, anything just TA Visuals related, you'll you'll see me on there. Man, look at that put together branding, you guys. We love yes, that. Yes, sir. We love it. Centralized. <laughs> well, thank you guys again. And for everybody that's listening to this podcast, thank you for tuning in, staying social with us. We cannot wait to bring you more content and more amazing guests just like Jonathan and Tim here today. Like they said, go follow them on all their socials, get social with them, and we will see you guys next time on The Creative Hustlers. 